if you are coming from like a first world country and you've kind of like always been in this bubble where you're privileged and you then get an opportunity to step out of your comfort zone right and get to to be with people will give you a different perspective of life i think there's certain things that you get to learn as a person like for instance empathy because now for the first time in your life you are actually putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and living in their experiences right so that means one day when you go back into your country and you are working for whatever company you work for when you make decisions, you always think about how they affect the people at the bottom of the food chain that you normally never get to even think about because you're just in your bubble. Hello and welcome to Waking You, a podcast that reminds you to make sure you're not sleepwalking through your waking state. Today we are connecting with Oni, a free born from a rural village in South Africa who is currently a program manager at Mzingo. Well, if you're not familiar with Mzingo, they are a global innovation and conscious leadership firm founded at IE University that aims to empower responsible leaders and organizations committed to creating a positive change in their sectors, communities and world. This summer, I had the beautiful opportunity to take part in one of their summer programs in South Africa, where, despite all the potential limitations of a virtual program, I have to say I connected with incredible human beings that really, really, really inspired me to be the change I want to see in the world. Oni was my program manager, and I couldn't resist but invite her to the podcast for her to share her extraordinary story with us. Together, we explored topics ranging from the power of education and living in line with our purpose, to woman empowerment and the meaning of social impact. Let's dive in. Ani, welcome. I usually begin my interviews by expressing all the ways in which my guests inspire me. And, and in your case, I believe that's, that's very easy um, because every time that I had an opportunity to talk to you um, at a professional environment and personal one, your smile is simply contagious. And I don't know um, how you make that happen because you're constantly with a smile. Uh, but you really inspire me to be the best and the happiest version of myself because I know that we're not always in a good mood, but you really make that effort and I admire you for that. Uh, so thank you for being you and thank you for connecting today, Oni. It's an absolute pleasure. I, I don't know why I would not come here, considering the fact that you're the brightest person I know yourself. So I just felt like you're describing yourself, but it's okay. <laughs> because that's how I think of you as well. <laughs> okay. okay, let's begin. Um, the first question I have for you, it's a very easy question. Uh, I've asked you this in the past, but um, what I really want to share with listeners is your story. Where is your story? Where do you come from? I know you were born in South Africa, but where were you born? And and where, when does your journey begin? Mm -hmm. um, okay, um, I'll go right ahead and answer that question. 
Um, yeah, so Oni um, is a born free, first of all. I think that's so important. So when I describe myself as a born free, um, it simply means that I was born in a democratic South Africa, uh, which mm. is pretty exciting given um, the history of this country. Um, so I was born in a very small uh, rural area in one of mm -hmm. the states in, in South Africa, uh, which is it's, it's pretty weird because in the past, my village was classified under a different state. And over the years, they reclassified it. Uh, so <laughs> as a matter of fact, I pretty much speak a dialect between it, between Kasa and, and, and Zulu. And I don't think I have an official language because I mean, it's a dialect between the two, but I, I pretty much enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I was, I was born, um, born in a, in a, in a rural area. Um, it's called Mzimkulu. Um, okay. and specifically the area that, <laughs> yes, but specifically the area that I come from, because like, it's very big and it has different areas within. So I was born in a location called Kwakhaloti. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, uh, I was born there to, uh, to my parents and I lived most of my life in the village, obviously with my, with my nanny. Um, because my mom married very young. She married young. I think she was 19 when she married my dad, who was 32 at the time. Um, and um, they never really dated. Um, but then, well, in my culture, it's very normal for people to, like, you know, end up married because certain people in their families thought they would really make a great couple because maybe they share, they have like shared values and shared culture. And so they sort of find a way to bring them together and encourage them and advise them to be together. And they do um, then get married and which was the case in my case, but because she was so okay. young and she married my dad who really valued education. So mm -hmm. even though she left um, school at 11th grade, he felt, you know what, go back to school. Um, follow your dreams and we'll figure something out with the kids um, so that you can make something out of yourself and, you know, change your story. Um, given the fact that in my community, you know, women, mm -hmm. a woman's role is in the kitchen, becoming a mom, becoming a wife, that's the dream. And he wanted something different so that at least when I grew up as well, I get inspired mm -hmm. to, you know, step out of um, the, the kind of like normal, everyday life I see in my in my village and really want to strive for something aside from just being a wife and a mother and mm -hmm. maybe you know try and become a career woman so I think that was the whole point I guess mm -hmm. um so yeah so you said mm -hmm. that that was the reality of your mom growing up is it still the reality mm -hmm. right now for women um especially in, in the rural but in general in South Africa for them to be expected to stay at home um How, how is it the reality for women now? Okay, so um, I don't want to speak for, for the entire, like every rural area, because I think for me, there's the rural areas and then there's like the family itself, right? So, okay. because if you, if you look at my mom's side of the family, right? So like just her extended side of the family, a lot of the people from her side of the family value ed education. But if you go to my dad's side of the family, education is something that they like like especially the men they don't even you know care about education and mm. same thing so something similar as well if you look at my mom's side of the family some of the women in her family they also do like they still till this day aspire to get married i remember one of my cousins um she got married when she was 16 so she had to drop out of school and she got married 
and I was just like, oh. you're only 16. Like, why would you want to mm. get married? And I think for her, she she probably felt like, okay, Oni is just jealous. And for her, she looks at me and thinks, you're so old. You're supposed to be married. Uh, I mean, you know, and in my head, I'm like, actually, no, I've got dreams to chase. Um, I want security. And I remember asking her this question and I said to her, you know, I feel like given the fact that we've seen um, just the generation before us, like of our mothers who, you know, just kind of like their goal is to get married. Yes, you get married mm -hmm. and then you have this amazing husband, you have the kids and then the husband passes away and then you don't have any means of supporting your family mm -hmm. and you kind of mm -hmm. like have to go to relatives and ask. And I said to her, like, don't you want a different life for your kids because you're going to go through the same cycle because you depend on your husband right now. And you can't mm -hmm. guarantee that he'll, you know, you guys are going to die. Well, you're going to grow old and then die at such an old, like life is unpredictable. Anything can happen. And if he passes on, that means you're left with the kids, you're unemployed mm -hmm. and you still have these kids that you need to take care of. And I think we need to, as just young people to change the narrative, you know, like mm -hmm. your, your yes. kids as well. Are they gonna are they gonna be inspired to want to become something or because for them because certain things we learn through like the environment that we grow up in and i was saying to us like your kids are also going to grow up one day and think it's just okay to just want to get married and that's just the the goal and that shouldn't be the reality you know and and i think that was mm -hmm. my conversation with her but I, I understand where she's coming from because in her world view like that's that should be the goal. So for her, she doesn't understand where I'm coming from. Like, okay, you want to get me like for her, it's like, okay, you're going to, for her, her narrative is I will go to school, um, probably get my degree, start working. And then she feels like I'll probably be so old that like all my age mates at the time when I'm done with everything that I'm doing, are going to be married. Cause that's her understanding of my world. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not the reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, in my 20s because like i'm 26 right now for her she probably thinks you are like nobody's gonna marry you right now like you're so old and i'm just thinking i'm actually very young actually you know and my age mates are also still either maybe doing their postgraduate studies or you know starting off their jobs and they still need time to find their feet so it could possibly work out if i was obviously meant to get married but i think for her it's it's a different story altogether wow and why did you um why did you think so differently from such a, a an early stage? Was there a kind of mentor in your life or that, that was something that always came from you? Okay. So um, I think also let's go back to something. So one of the things that I need to be realistic about in terms of like coming from the village and just the situation in the village, right? So when I started mm. kindergarten, right, I, I, I did kindergarten in one of, um, one of the schools in, in my village. And it wasn't the best experience. I don't think, literally, I remember as just, there's not much that like my parents could say, oh my gosh, my child is actually, you know, um, growing and learning in this environment. There wasn't that. Mm -hmm. it, for her, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, only goes to this kindergarten and, I, you know, she's not seeing any progress. And I look at the, the kind of schools we had growing up in just mm -hmm. my village. It's schools mm -hmm. where if you look at it, you think to yourself, is this really a school because of the lack of infrastructure and all of that? And also just the people who are in these schools and teaching and just the lack of motivation from them, right? So sometimes I also think about that because for me, um, after kindergarten, I had the opportunity, obviously, where my parents shipped me to to live in, t in a town that was obviously close to to my, to my village. And I had the opportunity also of being raised by a different 
race in terms of like family wise like they they like i was hosted by a family that was a mixture of indian people there was colored people there was white people in this family so now i'm getting a different perspective altogether right i'm seeing women in this environment who are going to work with successful women who are okay with being single and don't even aspire to get married and they and it's it's okay you know um how old were you I was I was six years old when I moved to to town. Wow. And what language did you speak to them? What language did you speak? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the funny part. So um, uh -huh. I could not speak English to save my life. So when I moved there, I did not understand English and they were really kind people. So we pretty mm -hmm. much had to use a bit of sign language for me to kind of like explain some of the things that I wanted. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess because I'm a fast learner as well, that helped. And one of the things my parents did was during school holidays, they wouldn't fetch me. They would make me stay with the family because then it would also give me an opportunity to, you know, kind of learn the language a bit more mm -hmm. because I mean, I'm forced to communicate now in English because they yeah. also don't understand Zulu. Um, and I don't understand English, but English is something I'm being taught at school. So I'm already kind of like getting the basics at school. And so having to like live with them now 24 hours mm -hmm. also was helping me to kind of like improve uh, on that as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, is that something common um, for, because you said you moved from the rural area to a more, uh, I don't know if I can say central area, but closer to the school that you wanted to go to that was better for your education. Is that a common mm -hmm. thing? um or that was just your case okay so it's a common thing but in the past mm -hmm. uh, it, it was it was it was a challenge when i started the reason why i even had to live with the families because if i had to travel even though i mean you can travel because it's like what a 40 minute drive well you can wake up really mm -hmm. early in the morning and drive there every day um it's it's because at the time there wasn't cars that would you know um allow you to to, to travel back and forth between um the town and my village but nowadays they are like people because people are, are understanding that okay if i really want to give my child a better chance at this thing called life that's how i normally say it mm -hmm. <laughs> okay a better chance of just improving your life is that i need to invest in their education and investing in their education means mm -hmm. i need to take them to good schools so they are leaving those who can afford are then sending their kids over to schools that are in the town that I live in, mm -hmm. uh, which if you think about it, these kids really have to wake up super early, you know, in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and then they come back late uh, from school and they pretty much tired. But I mean, it's a sacrifice they making because they they see themselves and then they compare themselves to the students that are actually staying within the village and they see a difference because one, they're able to communicate in English because all the schools in my town, English is a medium of instruction, right? And, mm -hmm. um, they, you know, so for them, it's like, okay, at least, at least, you know, I, I have a better fighting chance at life, I guess. Mm -hmm. That, that yeah. is, that is a wonderful story. Uh, I can't imagine what how much you grew in that at that stage but also how hard it was and how hard it must has, have been for your for your parents but it's really cool and inspiring that they took that decision to invest in your in your future um and from that point so you moved uh, to to a different family to have better chances uh, in terms of education and then i know you studied psychology so What, what happened mm -hmm. uh, between there? What made you pursue psychology even before? What, how was your experience? Um, can you walk us through a, 
that a little bit, please? Okay, cool. Um, I'm ha I'll happily do that. But can I just just highlight one thing that um, I think is very necessary in, in in just the transition? You know, when I when I lived <laughs> when I lived in the in 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 my rural area, one of the things that I really loved and used to warm up my heart is that in my rural area we we were like one big gigantic family you know um and for the mere fact if i needed something right i had my neighbors to go to uh we kind of like had a sense of belonging when we'd go collect water from the stream you know we get to sit there we chit chat there's conversations christmas was different as well i mean on christmas day there's there's a whole lot, I mean, you get excited one from getting an outfit that you were going to wear on Christmas day, because for us, when we grew up in the, in the village, right, we have differentiating clothes, right? There's clothes that you wear when you are at home, right? And there's mm -hmm. clothes that you can only wear when you go somewhere, right? So that means if you're going mm -hmm. to town or you're going to see a doctor and on Christmas day was the one time where you got to wear this really cute outfit that you like, that you scarcely ever get to wear. And then we would go out into the mountains and you'd see different girls. We'd be singing, we'd be dancing. And there's just, there's just that, that, that the atmosphere, there's just so, so much happiness. I mean, we don't have much in the village, I guess, but like everybody's mm -hmm. just so happy and just, and I guess so bonded. And also I think what I used to appreciate about the, about living in the village is that, because we, we 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 grew up there, we were able to be. I guess I guess the word would be res, re, resourceful in terms of like using nature. Mm -hmm. For instance, I remember the first house that my my mom built. Right, we had we had like she didn't buy the bricks. You know, uh, we mm -hmm. all went. There's the, there was a, a a certain area like part of the of the village where we could all kind of like create our own bricks. Like there was a way we used to do it. I, I can't remember the process because I was so young, but I remember my mom going through that and then she built this really beautiful house. I think some of the 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 material obviously of the house was just things that you'd buy here and there, but most of the things were things that we would we would you know kind of like the, the kind of things that we could put together like in the village i remember as well the table that we had she had like built it from from clay you know she had built it from clay and had put sticks and and it was so cute and we we people in my in my in my in my culture who love color and we would you know paint this in such a beautiful way it was very colorful that was us and 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 for me it always felt like we kind of like all equal in a certain way right because you know mm -hmm. our lifestyles are so similar and i think having mm -hmm. moved um when I then moved to town, things were very different. Mm -hmm. I remember with with the family that I lived with, I used to always wonder, like, why don't you know your neighbors? I mean, it's your neighbor at the end of the day. And for and honestly, for me, it was it was the most weirdest thing ever. I had come across. I was like, and then like I remember this one time when we when we didn't have I, I don't know what we whether it was cooking all that we didn't have, and then we had to drive to 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 to, to town to go buy buy um that missing item and in my head i'm like mm -hmm. why can't you just ask your neighbor because that's how we do it i mean in the village you don't have to travel a whole distance to town to get something if your neighbor has it because that's how we treat each other we're always helping each other out so for me i think that 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 difference for me i, I think i was very taken aback for by it when i mm -hmm. when i first um when i first moved to town so anyways um so now i, I i'm growing up in town eventually i moved in with my parents because they decided to buy a house my mom was done studying my dad had also moved back from like because he used to live in a different state now we all okay. living together trying to play happy family um so yeah <laughs> so i went through primary school went through high school and 
before I chose my career in high school, uh, I went for for career counseling. And the only reason I was I was afforded that opportunity is because in high school I was I I was part of um I was part of a group of students that were given um were given bursaries by this organization called Xenex Foundation. So it sponsors um high school students who are performing very well in math and science. So just to give them an opportunity to actually excel so that they can do um, careers that are in the science field, right? And mm -hmm. by then already, I already knew, I was like, actually I, cause mainly they focus on, oh, you should become an engineer, a doctor. And I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have no interest, <laughs> you know? And for me, the reason why I was so drawn um, into psychology was because I, I myself personally had things that I had been grappling with um, in terms of just my mental state. Uh, and I remember there was a phase in, in high school where mm -hmm. I was, so to speak, depressed in a way. Mm -hmm. And obviously I, I got, a, because I was part of this um, Xenex Foundation bursary, they had, they assigned us, tutors they like you'd have a math tutor a physics tutor english tutor and then they would also assign us a counselor right so i used to see um this counselor at school and i think that's 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 when i was able to to kind of get help i guess and one of the things that i realized was growing up i guess what i was told constantly is just to pray about something you know um mm -hmm. and i remember <laughs> and i remember um like even a church will always tell us that all oh, things like depression and anxiety um mm. those are things that are for like educated people for you to even know those terms you know you you don't go through that as a christian you know mm -hmm. and i mean i was depressed you know and the only reason i guess um you know there had been a couple of incidents in my life and things that i had gone through um and because i guess in, in our communities, we don't really know how to, to, to deal with such things. I guess mm -hmm. everything was kind of like just swept under the carpet. And these were, were incidents that were happening from like the time when I was um, 10 years old and, you know, and all mm -hmm. of that. And because I had to kind of like overlook all of this and sweep it under the carpet, over time, these things were just kind of like building up, building up, up yeah. until the point where I was like <laughs> having like a whole emotional breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then I spoke, and then I spoke to 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 um, Mrs. Ibrahim at school, who was was the counselor, mm -hmm. and she was studying clinical psychology at the time. And I moved from being in such a dark space, um, mm -hmm. and I was, and I just felt like there was just like this like heavy burden that was taken off my shoulders mm. and for the first time this wasn't caused because i prayed about it but it's because i spoke to a professional who knew how to you know walk me through this and make me kind of like uh sift through everything that i was going through um and so having been through that experience myself i realized that sharks these other people that are probably going through similar mm. like um journeys like me but I was fortunate enough, right, to 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 have the opportunity of having Ibrahim to help me out, mm -hmm. but they don't have that. And also, it like just in my in in just the circle of people that I was that I was growing up with, and just the families that I I I, I knew, I I I saw that people would never really be keen on, I guess, 
paying for such services, right? And so mm -hmm. for me, it was like, I want to study psychology. I want to help other people out there that maybe have been through a dark place and I'm constantly trying to take themselves out of a dark place where every day is just a struggle, you know, uh, that they're trying to get through. And I want to help those people, right? Um, and so, yeah, so for me, that's when I started the, the journey of wanting to study psychology. But because I was from a very small town and um, and then I felt like I didn't really have enough information or have access to people who are in the field and have been mm -hmm. through the journey to better understand what it is. So for me, it was like, okay, I had snippets of what I'd seen on TV and mm -hmm. I had Mr. Brahim who was also just trying to, to study towards psychology, right? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I feel like when I got to university, it was a very different experience because for me, I had no idea that, okay, if I'm going to do psychology, it doesn't mean that when I get to university, I'll just get there. And the whole entire time, it's just psychology from first year, second year, third year. And that's it. That means mm -hmm. I had to have other electives. That's something I didn't know about. And for me, it was just, mm -hmm. I was very taken aback by it. And I think frustrated to say the least, because mm -hmm. I thought I would just do psychology and maybe kind of like, maybe have child psychology, abnormal psychology and all of those things, maybe just like different topics every year. Um, whereas when I got there and I realized, oh, shots, I have to have all these electives and, 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 and all of that. So, yeah, I think I was taken aback by that, but either way, I still wanted to, to, to pursue, um, psychology. And also I didn't understand that after the whole undergraduate degree, there was still the postgraduate that I had to pursue. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I guess I was after realizing that in first year, I realized, oh, my journey is actually going to be longer than I thought because, um, you know, that means probably I'd have to, you know, do this in about six years, so to speak, right? And yeah, and so that's when I decided that, you know what, I'll do my undergraduate degree, finish it, mm -hmm. but I want to go on a journey where I want to expose myself to this field now, like, because sometimes you're really passionate about something and you love something and theoretically it makes so much sense for you. You love what you're learning at school. And mm -hmm. when you go out there, you realize that emotionally you're not really ready. And so that's what I did. So in after I graduated, I took the time and I started going through programs that, okay. you know, were kind of like in, in a similar format. And I remember how, broken i guess i was so like i moved from you know worrying about myself to every time somebody would narrate something to me walk me through the experience i'm the one who's like literally breaking down and as a professional obviously we were not supposed to do that I in that space right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i think that was a huge slap in my face and um mm. kind of like a reality check for me to say Oni, are you emotionally ready for this? You know, it's mm -hmm. something, yes, you love, but are you ready for it? And it's it's okay to be honest with yourself and say, look, you know, I, I still need some time to also work through certain things as well, you know, as a person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think that's when the, the journey started from you. I was saying, okay, it's not to say that I am putting my dreams on hold, but I'm just deferring mm -hmm. them to just grow as a person, um, to just channel my energy and also just see what's out there and experiment with things because I'm very young and I also felt like all my life I've kind of like grown up in this bubble I guess uh, of okay only goes to school only does this and then you know that's it and I was like I want to deviate a little bit you know mm -hmm. <laughs> um mm -hmm. 
and so yeah and so that's when the journey started for me and um yes so i graduated i spent a year working um in a in a completely different field i guess and the reason why i did that to myself was because aside from just the experience i wanted to to learn different things and i think one of the things i took away from from my first job was mm-hmm. um just learning how just you know when you <laughs> this is something that's very important you know <laughs> one of the things i used to realize about myself is i always expected mm-hmm. to i always expected uh, i've i've always expected a mean other people when i say that i mean like because i i always expect that people are sorry i was saying that when i meet people i always had the expectation that you know everybody's nice everybody's loving everybody wants mm. to you know treat other people well and that's not the reality some people aren't like that and so mm-hmm. my first job showed me that you in society when the older you grow you'll realize that you will be dealing with different kinds of people you know there are people who wouldn't even know you and would really be having a bad day and just take it out on you and they don't see anything mm-hmm. wrong with that you know that's mm-hmm. they just going to go on about their lives and 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 those are things i started picking up and i was like you know what and i remember like in my first job i'd always break down mm-hmm. at work because oh somebody did this and that and i realized it's like girl you're not ready for this <laughs> like you are not mm-hmm. ready there's so much growing up that you need to do there's so much maturity that you still need to go through before you can say hey i'm in a space where i can help somebody else you know i wanted to to just listen to the silence here um because uh i'm a little bit emotional <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um We were talking a little bit in the beginning and and you were talking precisely about that how about so we can't we expect everyone to be nice because we are nice and because we see mm-hmm. the, the glass half full but just listening to your story and to your approach to life I can help but get emotional and I really wanted to say that the reason why I started this I've told you this one time kind of joking with you that the reason why I started this podcast is to really have an excuse to talk to people that I want to talk to and I couldn't <laughs> be happier to be here at in this precise moment with you because this matters you know and deconstructing and listening to your story just makes my heart sink to a level that you have no idea and you're really you're really an example for me and i i really hope that that many people have the opportunity to experience experience you as i did so please continue with your story <laughs> um because it's a wonderful story and i could listen to you for hours and hours and hours so just please continue <laughs> you were talking about uh, about your your program your personal development program and your first ex- work experience yeah so so yeah so um that was that was a situation where like i was telling you that i would really break down um mm-hmm. and also i think um what were being you in the work in that first, first work experience okay so i worked for um a marketing company and essentially what there was like two components to it so there was the training and development that we would do and then there was also the direct sales right that we 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 needed to do because we had like different campaigns so there was like um campaigns like one of the one of the um campaigns that we worked on was save the children 
Um, so mm-hmm. we would obviously be the ones um, fundraising, basically. But I didn't work right. on that on that campaign. I worked on a, on a different one, which obviously had nothing to do with impact. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So having worked there and just having been through the experiences and and seeing how people are and seeing that not everybody mm-hmm. is warm and not everybody is welcoming and not everybody wants the best for you, you know. Because for me, it was always mm-hmm. about. I remember because one of the things, like I told you, there was a training component. Um, one of the things that I quickly realized in my first work experience was that, so I wasn't your, I wasn't typically good at sales, right? But I was really mm-hmm. good at connecting with people, at building people. And so one of the things that happened was that in the office, I was one of the people that really had the biggest um, team because like mm-hmm. my, I was able to retain people in my team because I, I really invested in people. You know, for me, it's not... It wasn't a matter of, oh, no, I just care about you because, you know, I need you to stay. It was a matter of I care about you because you are human and I know what it's like to be human. And I know what it's like when, you know, you mm-hmm. just want to make something out of yourself, you know. So for me, it was it was all that. And for me, it was it was also building very genuine friendships because even the people that mm-hmm. I, I met during that experience, some of them I'm still in contact with because for me, I really value like genuine human connections. And also, I think I also mm-hmm. get along with people who are just passionate. So even though sometimes I'm in an environment where maybe it's not something that I had in mind to do, one thing that I always carry with me is just passion because I feel like once you are passionate, you're able to also connect with people. And when you are with like-minded people, magic always happens, like I always say, you know? So I guess that's that's always been, that's been my approach to life. But one thing that, mm-hmm. you know, was a problem in that experience was that I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't a fulfilling experience because I'm in this environment and I'm, and I constantly ask myself, okay, what's my purpose in life? You know, um, Mm -hmm. yes, I have, I've put my dreams on hold because I want to explore. I want to, you know, discover myself and learn something new about myself, but I don't have that driving force of, you know, waking up every day and, you know, Mm -hmm. looking forward to the day. And that was this that was the second time in my lifetime where I then got depressed. So this time around mm-hmm. it was very bad. I lost a lot of weight. I was so unhappy. Um because for me it was like, okay, I need a sense of fulfillment. And that's when I okay. decided. Um I decided I didn't even have a backup plan. I decided I was like, I'm gonna quit my job. Uh mm-hmm. and you know, I'll I'll figure things out, you know, because right now I'm not going to be able to figure things out because I'm in this dark space again. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just getting through the day, you know, each day. So then I quit my job and then I said, actually, it's time to go back to school. So that's when I applied for my honors degree, because before you're honors, you need to do your master's. So I applied for mm-hmm. my honors degree. I got accepted. I was like, God, thank you. <laughs> this is, a, a you know, um, probably a new start. So 2017, I embarked on my journey. I was like, I'm going to do my honors, but obviously I was going to, I didn't want to do it full time because I still want to, I wanted to be busy with other things on the side. Mm-hmm. So I, I did my honors and then eventually I also worked as a research assistant for, for one of um, the leading research companies. And I also enjoyed my experience there. But I think one of the things that um, I learned from that experience was that I worked on a, I worked on a project that uh, had to do with women who uh, were in the women who were in the um, so we're doing research of women who are being given by government the opportunity to use uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, which would obviously help 
prevent HIV. And one of the what the main thing that we were doing was saying, hey, the government has, is prioritizing you to take this because they care about you, but why aren't you using it? Just to understand what the experiences were and possibly what was hindering them from, from using it. And so the study was just mainly around that. And, you know, mm -hmm. I enjoyed my experience there because I really love research. Uh, but same thing there, it was like, okay, I enjoyed this. It's going to be a short-term uh, period, but I want something. I'm still, you know, I'm still looking for that something where I'll be able to be content. And so eventually that's when the opportunity of Mzingo came through through uh, the organization that I, I was with, um, as the way happen? I was. Okay, so I was working with, with this organization um, called VITS, like VITS RHI, but like the program specifically that, that helped me was called Fit for Work, Fit for Life, which is a program designed for young people who are fresh out of school, still trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. And the reason I entered that program was because I just felt like I I didn't have things figured out. Yes, I've graduated. Yes, um, I know what I want to do. But I just, you know, it will be helpful to get into a space with other young people, learn about mm -hmm. their challenges and their experiences and just exchange ideas, I guess. And I think that's mm -hmm. the main reason I took part in that. And so um, part of the program is that after you are, you've completed it, obviously they would help you with um applying for university because most of those the participants were just fresh out of um fresh out of high school uh mm -hmm. and then in my case they would rather help you figure out your next step you know and so mm -hmm. the manager they um then told me about mzingo was like hey mzingo was actually looking for a program manager and i think you'd really be a great fit considering the work that they do you know mm -hmm. so at the time obviously uh, at the time i was in the dark not sure what really what mzingo How really old does i was 20 give me a second i was 20 so wait give me a second i need to count this year i'm 26 26 <laughs> 25 24 23 i think i was 23 yeah 23 i think yeah, 23. 23. Wow. And for the people that don't know, uh, do you want to be the one telling us a little bit about what is Mzingo and what the, what kind of work does Mzingo do? Okay. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. So finally, um, I joined Mzingo. Um, and, I'll, and I'll walk you through how I understood what Mzingo does because okay. I, I felt like I think that's the best way. So finally, I'm... I joined Mzingo and um, I have my first program, right? And so during orientation week, we visited an organization in, in Soweto called uh, Cliptown Youth Program. Mm -hmm. And essentially, um, Cliptown is one of the oldest townships in South Africa, but it's so underdeveloped, you know? Mm -hmm. And we visit this, this, this community in Cliptown and we meet the founders of Cliptown Youth Program. And one of the things I, I remember being at Cliptown was I sat there for a moment and I was listening to, to the founder and he was talking about how they had this idea of, okay, look, the government's not doing much for us as a community. Mm -hmm. And we as young people have decided that let's do something to help empower all the other young people. So they started an after-school program and so in this after-school program, they would help young people um, with their school homework so that they could at least perform better at school. They would mm -hmm. also help provide them with a nutritional meal because in that community, a lot of the people 
that are in that community are either raised by their single they raised by single moms actually and mm -hmm. their single moms are mainly at work so they come back from school and nobody has really cooked in the house because the mom is at work and she comes back late there's nobody to help them with their homework and so they wanted to really just bridge that gap and so then they have they uh, they then provide a meal a day for for these students and then also give them lunch uh, like a lunch box so that they can carry to mm -hmm. school so that at least you know they don't get to learn on a hungry tummy because nobody can concentrate on a hungry tummy. And so when I sat there and I listened to him talk about how when they started the organization, they pretty much had like a lot of ideas of what they wanted it to grow, to, to, to grow, to be. Um, and they had, they were the first recipients of the Mzingo program, right? And they had, they had two students who had come to to assist them and so one of the things that i heard in their conversation was the tools that the students gave us are tools that are still sustaining us till today which is why oh. you don't see us constantly applying to Nzingo. and they spoke about how when we had this idea we were passionate about what we wanted to do but we obviously had no skills of running an organization. We had no skills of making sure that it's operational. And the mm -hmm. students at Mzingo um, provided us with, were able to one, help us conceptualize all these ideas that we have, put them on paper, be able to draw a plan of what we want and in terms of like the goals that we want for this organization. And at the time when we were doing this, it felt like, yeah, we're seeing all of this, you know, and, and, and it was daunting for them. But years later, they look at themselves and they realize all the things that we had aspired and we had put together with that team of students uh, mm -hmm. is materializing. But not only that, they've equipped us with tools that we would not get anywhere else because they came here, they wanted to share their knowledge. They don't just want to do everything for us. They taught us how to do things, right? Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. one day we are able to, to you know, to, to be um, equipped to also be able to run this organization. And from that experience, I was like, that's what Mzingo does, right? That is mm -hmm. exactly what it does. It empowers people in their communities because they understand that people have an idea of the solutions that they, 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 they need to implement to kind of solve the problems or challenges that they're facing. But sometimes they just don't have the tools. And that's where mm -hmm. Mzingo comes in, right? Mm -hmm. So... And also it's, it's a twofold thing. If you look at the, the side of the students, right? If mm -hmm. you, if you look at the students, so it's about here I am, I'm a student. Um, and this was like from my interaction with just the first few students that I had interacted with when I got to Mzingo, just to better understand mm -hmm. like the different perspectives. And so I'm chatting to the students and I'm saying to her, like, why did you decide to, you know, do the Mzingo program? And then she says to me, look, I'm at a prestigious business school and mm. I'm being taught um, all these business tools, but I had the opportunity of going somewhere else and consulting for them, but I wanted to consult with them Zingo through mm. um, the different organizations that you work with, because for me, it's about, I want to be a responsible leader one day, right? Mm. And the only way I can actually see that materialize is if I'm actually on the ground with people who are already change makers within their communities. And also she wanted to, to understand what impact translates to, you know? And so mm -hmm. when she worked on her project and she was like, 
we come into these communities and we're seeing people um, doing just the best to to help their communities, it made me realize that I'm in the right place because I can use my skills to uplift a community. And mm -hmm. there's nothing as heartwarming as that. And not only that, when I'm gone, my it's like my impact is kind of like a ripple effect because what I get to teach and share with the people that I work with, they also get to pass on those skills to the other people that they get to interact with within their mm -hmm. community. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we're about. So it's about kind of like creating this generation of responsible leaders. And so if you are coming from like a first world country and you've kind of like always been in this bubble where you're privileged and you then get an opportunity to step out of your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And get to, to be with people will give you a different perspective of life. I think there's certain things that you get to learn as a person, like for instance, empathy, because now for the first time in your life, you are actually putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and living in their experiences, right? So that means one day when you go back into your country and you are working for whatever company you work for, when you make decisions, you'll always think about how they affect the people at the bottom of the food chain that you normally never get to even think about because you're just in your bubble. And I think that's one of the things that I, I genuinely appreciate about the kind of experiences that we are curating at Mzingo. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes, and, and, and I can talk from experience. I mean, we're not here uh, by chance. We're here because, um, because of Mzingo. And and I can talk from from experience. Um, I applied for the program in Peru, <laughs> uh, and then the COVID nineteen happened, um, and I ended up doing the the program in South Africa, and even virtually, which was something that was making me a bit a little bit uncomfortable. Even virtually, I could see the impact it had on me. Um, the impact because I've met a, a team of people like you who are actually passionate about what they do, who truly care about the people they're trying to help, both the students and the organizations you're you're collaborating with, but also the field partners. And it's just insane. Um, and me, like you were saying, uh, I definitely come from a privileged bubble. And for me to have an opportunity to apply all the knowledge that, to be honest, I wasn't so sure about to a real life scenario but to actually help someone i am sure because i already feel like it transformed me that is going to transform my future so i really want to congratulate you and them zingle team for the work you do because it's really awesome work you're you're helping people and all the ends that you're you're working with yeah thank you so much i think for me more than anything i always thank the founders who honestly mm -hmm. were at ie business school and came up with this idea I think maybe when they were thinking about it, I'm sure they never knew the kind of impact yeah. that it would have 10 years later. Mm -hmm. And you know, just uh, just yesterday, I got a I got a text message from from one of our field partners. I think you might know them, Deep Organics, because they were part of this cohort. Yes. And yes. Um, yeah, and Owen is just an, a small scale um, farmer in in Deep Slut. And one of the things that he's been needing for so for so long was just green tunnels and his family um, got sponsors who were willing to give um, him uh, these tunnels. And this is obviously through the different experiences and interactions with the program because he's had students who have helped him write proposals. And mm -hmm. it, it's all these things, honestly, that warm up my heart because it's impact that you can see. 
You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a myth. It's not, it's not theoretical. It's things that you just see translate in real life. And I think that's why for me, I really enjoyed, um, just working with Mzingo and working with the communities that we work with and seeing the people who are making like a difference in their communities, but sometimes just need a little help here and there and being able Mm -hmm. to sort of try and bridge that gap is honestly something Mm -hmm. that warms up my heart. And I think I remember saying this to you saying that um, there's nothing as, as heartwarming as saying, as waking up every day and you don't feel like you're going to work, but you feel like you're just doing something that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the ultimate goal in life. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like I have a million other questions for you. Um, But I'm glad we, we, we explored the work that Mzingo does. And we have also talked a little bit about your story. We have talked about the, the story of Mzingo uh now what is the future holding for you uh you see mzingo in your future and um and i wanted to ask you this at a personal level so you also talk a lot about your 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 background in psychology but i also at a more um at a broader level at collective level i want to talk about the future but for now let's talk about your future what are you what are you what are your plans do you plan to stay at mzingo my plans dear okay so um my plans are as follows right so Mm. i still want to be i want to be adam zingo and the reason being is one i love the work that they do and more than anything it's 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 having a family outside the kind of family that i already have you know so it's Mm -hmm. it's another home it's my second home you know Mm -hmm. um and I think my biggest fear has always been just going out there and seeing what's there, knowing what I know now, um, and just the warmth that I find at Mzingo. Mm-hmm. But um, the goal is to study towards my master's degree, which I've been putting on hold for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's the goal. Yes, in psychology. Okay. So to study towards my master's degree in psychology, because look, at the end of the day, um, there's going to come a time when I'm going to want to go into, into practice. Um, Mm -hmm. and when that time does come, I just want to know that I've, I've done all the necessary preparations. Right. Mm -hmm. So, which is why for me, it's yes, study, get that degree and still work at Mzingo, explore my passions, see how I could integrate some of my, um, passions also into Mzingo. Um, because as you, as you've experienced, there's also coaching that's, that's, that's involved because we also care about personal development at Mzingo, seeing how Mm -hmm. I could probably, um, contribute to that element at Mzingo. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And then eventually when I, when, like I told you, when I'm ready, then embark on my journey of being Oni the psychologist. <laughs> Oni the psychologist. And yeah. no, um and the question I have for you now, um I can't imagine what it must be like for you to just have the opportunity to experience so many bubbles. You were saying you come 
from a rural area of South Africa, you move to a town, um, you, you're, you're also working at Johannesburg, um, but you're also familiar with so many other bubbles because the work that you do uh, at Mzingo is also, also involves working with people from all over the place, all over the, the world. Um, how do you feel when you, when you go back home, uh, and I, I don't know if, if you, are you able to be the same, to be the same on you? Because you're also talking about that in, in your family, um, you're kind of the exception, uh, to the rule in a way, because you, you really want to follow your dreams. You really want to help people. You don't want to just settle. How does it feel when you go back home and, and how do you navigate this? especially as a woman. Okay. Um, funny enough, um, this is a conversation we, we've been having um, lately with Christina since I've been, mm. um, I've been part of her women's leadership um, series, is that knowing what I know and, and just knowing the, the kind of exposure that I've had, it's shifted my mindset a lot, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. I think... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a typical example, right, for you. So, you know, I've never really had a problem with being boxed when I come home. Okay. Um, because, for instance, when I'm in Joburg, right, and I'm in the different spaces that I find myself in, mm -hmm. I've always felt very empowered. I've always felt like I fit in. I felt mm -hmm. like I had a voice. Um, and I felt like I could just do anything and become anything that I wanted to be, you know, mm -hmm. I, I felt like that's the kind of space that, um, I, I, that's the kind of atmosphere I would experience when I'm in, in, in Joburg. Mm. And then when I'd come home, it was always really different for me because when I come home and I realized that I always remember that I'm a woman when I'm at home mm -hmm. because from from just from just when i was growing up in my family we've always been been told as women this is how you need to dress this is mm -hmm. how you need to sit this is how you need to conduct yourself as a woman like and i remember um uh and one of the things that still is is dominant today like i've always been told i can't wear pants as a woman because that's clothing for men and, in, and it speaks volumes about just my moral compass mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking to myself you know mm -hmm. like when you now that you've you've been exposed and you know i i i kind of see the light and i know, okay i've been in the light i'm just like wait what's your clothing got to do with anything you know like that's when i started questioning a lot of things right mm -hmm. and so i come home into the space and uh, Normally when I was in varsity, I would come home from the time I'm at home to the time I leave. I'm doing the mm -hmm. cooking, I'm doing the cleaning, uh, I'm doing everything. And for me, to some degree, those things always used to seem normal because that's what I've been socialized. Mm -hmm. That's how I've been socialized as a woman. But now, in the past years, when I've come back, I've kind of just stepped back and, I'm, and, and I start to question things. Like, why is it okay for my mom to say to me, hey, Oni, I, I did the dishes today. I was doing you a favor so that at least tomorrow I've taken something off your list of to-do thing, to-do list, you know, from your to-do list. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but why do you make it about me when we in a family of five people, there's mm -hmm. my brothers here. Why is it, why is it a me thing? Why, 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 why does it, 
feel okay for you to tell me that you're doing me a favor. This mm-hmm. is also your house, you know, mm-hmm. and you have kids, you know. And so those are the kind, kinds of conversations I've started having. And also just just the way you're also not how you try I've, to have them as much as possible. Exactly, because these conversations are necessary to also shift the mindsets of the people that I'm living with. And mm-hmm. also, I'm, 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 I'm also thinking about my brothers who are growing up as well to also think differently. How many brothers do you society, have? I have two. Okay. Yeah, I also want them, I also want them to think differently, you know, to understand that, look, um, cooking, cleaning and all of that, it's not gender specific. Like we should all do our fair share in mm-hmm. all of these things, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so those are the kinds of conversations that, that I, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm having. And also, I think it's also having been, um, have been away from home for so long. I'm also starting to kind of like, create my own path of like how I want to live my life. You know, I think for the longest time, the kind of like church I go to is something that's been like passed down to me. Now I was able to say, no, but like, this is the kind of church that I like. This is the kind of church that I connect more with. And it speaks to the kind of person that I've become. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's also a process of saying right now, yes, mom, dad, I don't wear pants, but it's not because you decided for me that I don't Mm. right now it's a matter of I'm still unlearning all the things that you know Mm. you've instilled in me about it and getting to a point where I'm also comfortable enough to say yeah I'm happy to it because right now it's because it's something I haven't worn all my life so it's kind of like it's 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 it's, it's, um it's a mental thing that I'm just kind of like grappling with right now to say okay no it's actually okay for me to wear it and I'm gonna be comfortable with you know it's kind of like having those conversations of saying I as uh, as as Oni, I, I want to feel in charge of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be in a situation where I feel like my whole entire life is being shaped by you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the kind of things that I'm having. And also it's the same thing like we, we're saying to you that, yes, I even told them, I was like, yes, there's going to come a time as well where I'm still going to go back to school, do my master's and, mm-hmm. and figure out life and not have any pressure you know, to say, because one of the things that I think we, 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 we really didn't cover in our conversation also was just this notion of as, as a first, as a firstborn child in my family, there's a lot of responsibilities okay. that are always placed on my shoulders where I need to constantly look out for my siblings. And when I talk about that, it means I'm talking about looking out for them financially and also just carrying out certain things and, and, and obligations like at home, like financially, like, okay, as a firstborn, it's now my responsibility. I always need to make sure there's groceries at home. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm supporting my brothers with school and this financially buying them this and that and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things, you know, I I've never really had a problem with, but sometimes there's always that point where you step back and you say to yourself, it's okay to help. And it's, and it's great to help. But if it's at the cost of me putting my dreams on hold and putting the things that I want to do on hold, because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this and that, then mm-hmm. it's a problem. Because I remember there was a time, I remember even having these conversations with my parents where mm-hmm. if let's say maybe I'll say to my parents, oh, I'm going to go to Durban and, and spend the weekend with my girls. And the response would be, you know, that money that you, you're going to go spend lavishly in Durban could be money that could be used to do one, two, three in this house. But like, when am I going to start living my life? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, there's certain things that you always need to, you always want to do in this house. And it's not my responsibility because 
I still want to have my own house and that's the house that's going to be my responsibility. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's the house that I'm going to want to take care of. And mm -hmm. also as a person, I'm a young person, I'm still growing up and my brother and I are just what, like two years apart. Mm -hmm. And for, for you to, to be comfortable to place the responsibility of taking care of him on my laps is also a problem. You know, those are the conversations that I'm starting to have because now I've been exposed to to different views of certain things. And mm -hmm. now I don't just sit, sit back and just be kind of like a very passive person. Like now I just always want to understand and question things, I guess. I'm and it's not to say I'm doing this in a disrespectful manner. It's mm -hmm. just having really just honest and genuine conversations of saying it's it's not that mom I'm pushing back in in a in a in a disrespectful manner, but I just want you to understand where I'm also coming from and also just shift your mindset as well because that's very necessary. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that you're yeah. you're 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 taking that approach and that you're fighting for yourself. And actually, I remember. Uh, you know that uh, I'm very passionate about the book of, of Trevor Noah, and and at some point <laughs> the book talks about that how it's necessary to just break the cycle because if you just keep uh, trying to save your entire family, then you're ne not going to save yourself. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of energy is also very inspiring for a lot of other women that need to take a stand and need to fight for themselves and just people mm -hmm. in general. And so the question, the la last yeah. question that I have for you is, we explored so many things today and there's so many more I wanted to explore again, but um, what message then, having this in mind, would you want to give to young people? It can be young women, if you feel like uh, focusing on women, but what message would you like to give to young people who um, who are trying to find their path, who are trying to break some of the norms of the past and also having in mind the all the work that Mzingo does and really uh, trying to build responsible leaders for tomorrow. And you, if you want, you can also focus this on the South Africa reality on a post-apartheid uh, scenario as well. Okay. Okay. So to all the young people out there, um, to all the young people, let me talk about my South Africans first and then I can broaden okay. it. Right. Um, um, to all the young people, um, in South Africa is one thing that I want to say to them, right. Is that firstly, it's very hard right now in South Africa to, to be inspired, um, to, to chase your dreams, given obviously the unemployment rate and seeing mm -hmm. what's happening to other graduates. But mm -hmm. one thing I always say, um, and one thing that always drives me and which I, I never really have given up on this idea of studying is, is that, um, we've all got a different story to tell and we've mm -hmm. all got our own creative ways of using the, the knowledge that we have for some people right? You go to university and the ultimate goal is to work for this company and that company. And that's a great dream as well. And, and if things don't work out that way, um, it's, it's about finding creative ways of saying, how can I use the knowledge that I have um, to better myself as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. And also one other thing that I've also realized is that given the different um, backgrounds that we come from with all, like all of us, we have different um, walks of life within just South Africa mm -hmm. is that one of the things that I remember having been somebody who's been to a public school, for instance, is that 
when I got to university, because in South Africa, um, public education in, in, in school, um, the quality of education is not so great. But when you get to higher level institutions like your like your universities, they the the standard is very high because obviously they 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 um they as you would see they some of them are ranked with with like uh, worldwide you know mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I experienced as a person was that coming from a public um, high school going to um, a prestigious university like mm-hmm. Vets University for me there's a lot of catching up that I had to do because of where I was coming from. But I think that shouldn't be something that um, makes you feel any less about yourself, Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of of understanding that, okay, cool, look, I'm in this environment. For the mere fact that I've worked hard, given my environment and I've made it here, it means I can still make it here. And just being so focused and so grounded and understanding that you might have to work two times harder than Mm -hmm. other students maybe that have been to, to private schools. Um, and, and so that's one thing that I've also learned and also bearing in mind that when you, when you are in these spaces, right, um, where you get to interact with, with other people, I think for me, one of the things that I I really learned, um, in university was to, to network as well Mm. with people because, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're young, you always feel like, oh yeah, there's TD and whatnot and that's it. And you don't stay in touch, but these people come become very helpful to you because I remember when I started working and I started working at Mzingo, Mm -hmm. I was able to tap into the network of people that I had met at vets who are able to show up for me at work. If I need to, maybe if we need a corporate visit at Mzingo, there's a friend I'm able to pick up the phone and say, Hey, so-and-so we want to do a corporate visit. Can you assist me with this? So all those, those networks that you create whilst you're still in varsity, they come in very handy because as much as yes, we in the space in varsity, but five years later, we are all going to be in different spaces and we're going to need each other, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. I think that's also very important. And to, to people who, um, who have dreams of saying, look, I'm working and um, I've decided to, to take this path. And I feel like to some degree, I'm not playing my fair share of, you know, contributing to the community I'm coming from. One thing I think I've learned given my journey at Mzingo mm-hmm. is that impact doesn't necessarily mean you need to change the whole world. You know, mm-hmm. it's just one person at a time, touching one heart at a time and just doing your fair share, even in that small circle, even if it's not something that's recognized by everyone in society, but if it's bringing about a change either to a person or people, I think for me that counts as impact. And that's one thing I think I've learned because I think for the longest time I've always been um, been asking myself, oh my gosh, Oni, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm, And then I started looking back at all the little things that I do and I'm like, those things matter to me, right? And if I'm able to help one to three people that's still impact right mm-hmm. in whatever manner i choose to to help them by and i think that's also very very important and also another thing that i i just want to chat about is is just as as a woman in this in this country as well mm-hmm. um i think it's very important for us to to start you know just taking up space i guess um in the different sectors that we are in and and in a way wherever we are 
to build each other as well. I feel like one of the things that I've always noticed about women is that there's always kind of like this bring her down syndrome and mm-hmm. it really, really hurts my feelings because I feel like as people who who understand how for the longest time we've lived in, in a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. so the more reason why we need to support each other, empower each other as women and just help each other is very, very important, you know. So I really get so excited when I when I see women who are in top executive positions because I get inspired by those women because I then realize actually we can do this and having been in an organization where we are our executive director is a woman and i think most of us now in the team there's a lot of women in mzingo versus men it's also exciting to see because it says hey we're here and we're taking up space (laughs) (laughs) and those are things that like like honestly those are things that are really warming up my heart um Mm. honestly like given and and yeah and i think more than anything also it's just when i talk about just supporting each other as women um it's just being there for each other instead of shaming each other and putting fingers at each other Mm -hmm. we should like really always just refrain from that and the reason i say that is because i live in a country where gender-based violence is is sparking up like a lot you know and we we the more reason why we should be supporting each other instead of like judging each other and, and and doing all those things, we really need to be in a, in, in a time and space where we're really supporting each other. But at the same time, I think we also need to, to also have conversations around, okay, what, what role are men also supposed to be playing in mm-hmm. this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And which is why for me, it, it's always very, like, which is why I was telling you that I'm very concerned about a lot of things that, like, my like that i always feel like are socializing my brothers into in like into certain behaviors which is why i'm always kind of like mindful and trying to correct my parents and i know they're old and it's hard to change say change certain behaviors but i i really want them to understand just all these simple simple little things right um and just just for them to understand that hey only and you guys, we all equal, you know, they shouldn't mm-hmm. always feel like, you know, they're more powerful than me or what they hold a special place. No, we, we just equal so that you are able to treat me equally, like how you would treat any of your other male friends, or whatever the case is. And, and these are things that we need to start in the home because sometimes we're expecting these things to be taught in school or university, but the home is also just also an important a place mm-hmm. where certain values should be taught as well. Um, so, so yeah. And then, yeah, I guess to, to just in general, to, to young people, um, mm. I think it's very important for us to, to live a purposeful life. And I think one of the things that we always grapple with is what does this purpose entail and what does it mean? Um, and I think for me, one thing that I, I've learned more than anything is that when you find yourself working in a job, that is aligned with your purpose in life you Mm. find a lot of fulfillment and i think that's very important to always bear in mind is that um find um make sure that um the spaces that you find yourself in and i mean workplace wise school wise are aligned with your purpose so that you are able to ensure that you're a happier person Mm -hmm. oni (laughs) you said everything (laughs) I'm just going to say thank you. Thank you for being you and thank you for coming. And I'll leave it here. 
thank you so much um, for, for inviting me. I really, really appreciate it. And that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoy doing it. And if you want to keep updated, well, as usual, I invite you to follow me on Instagram and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app. If you want to know more about my guest, well, as usual, also, I will leave all the relevant links on the description of this podcast episode. And last but not least, thank you, my dear listener, for connecting today and I wish you a beautiful, inspired day. Bye!